Hi friends, this is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. Before I jump into this week's episode, another round with Jen Schwanke, co-host of this podcast and great leader from Dublin City Schools as we talk about solutions for teacher pipelines. Just two things. One, you're going to hear the same audio quality hangups that I had in last week's episode as I was recording this through a Zoom mic and forgot to turn on my mic where the audio quality is is better. But you're going to get some great value from Jen's conversation. Two, I wanted to remind you that Principal Matters resources are always available for listeners on my website at williamdparker.com, including my newest book, Pause, Breathe, Flourish, Living Your Best Life as an Educator. I wanted to share with you this testimonial from a friend, Anne-Marie Ma. Hi there. My name is Anne-Marie Moore, and I'm principal of St. Agatha's Catholic Primary School in Brisbane, Australia. Just wanted to say thank you to Will for your fantastic podcast and congratulations on your book. Being a new principal, I've just clicked over one year in September. I found your podcast to be inspiring, practical and engaging. It's such a good professional resource and it's given me so many ideas. Your recent book, Pause, Breathe and Flourish, was a Christmas present I gave to myself and I read the whole thing in two days and I'm actually on my second read of this book. What you shared in the book really, really hit home to me. I love my job as a principal. I also love my family and I love my faith. And your book gave such great advice on how to find that balance that I so desperately need. I'm planning on buying another copy of your book for my deputy principal as he's getting married next year and has already expressed that same struggle with uh, finding balance and maintaining the balance in such a busy job. So thanks again, Will. Congratulations. Principal Matters podcast is absolutely brilliant and I loved your book. Keep up all the amazing work and all the best. Anne-Marie Ma, thank you so much for that feedback on the book pause, breathe, flourish. And Principal Matters listeners, if you want to see a copy of this book, you can always go to my website at williamdparker.com or you can go to the publishing website, connected2ds.org. And you'll find there, if you go to the resources tab, a free study guide download for that book. So many teams have reached out to me who have used that study guide to walk through that content together. And if you are interested in reading that book with your staff, please reach out to me. I would love to jump in the room with you and your staff and have a conversation about that book. One more thing, as you're looking at wrapping up the 21-22 school year and beginning your 22-23 school year, think about ways that you can enrich the learning of your teams, your staff, your leadership teams, your district teams. And if there's any content that I might be able to help you with, whether it's the hats of leadership, school communication, educator self-care, I would be so honored to connect with you and have that conversation. If you want to just reach out to me with questions or to jump in a Zoom to talk about possibilities, no strings attached, you can always email me at will at williamdparker.com. Well, I hope you enjoy this great conversation with Jen Schwanke. Thanks again for doing what matters, and I'll talk to you soon. Principal Matters Podcast, episode 290. Hi, 
friends, this is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your school leadership. This week, I'm with Jen Schwanke as we we're talking about the teacher pipeline solutions. For those of you that don't know Jen Schwanke, she's the deputy superintendent at Dublin City Schools in Dublin, Ohio, and the author of two great books on school leadership. And you can find all of her resources at jenschwanke.com. You can find all of mine at williamdparker.com. Jen Schwanke, welcome back to Principal Matters. It's so great to be able to be in the room with you again. Um, I always like to ask you how things are going, but I'm going to just jump straight into yes, this conversation. <laughs> because as I'm talking to principals who are in the spring and they're looking at evaluating teachers and they're looking at hiring for next year, this is the question that keeps coming to me over and over again. What are you doing to find high quality teachers and what are you doing to keep high quality teachers? Because not only is the job market tight everywhere else, it's tight in schools. And we're seeing all kinds of reports about teachers leaving the profession or principals leaving the profession. So I know there's a lot of ways that we can go here, but as you are managing from your role in school leadership and working with schools, looking for good teachers, I want to start first with the, the idea of in the spring, what are some things that you're doing to try to find quality candidates as you're stepping into this, this time of the year? Right. I'm glad we're talking about this because I know many, many of our um, principal friends are struggling with this, Will. And, you know, there's nothing that makes a principal's job uh, hard as a teacher who's struggling. And there's nothing that makes it wonderful that as so much as an excellent teacher. And there is a lot of conversation out there, you know, don't become a teacher or don't stay as a teacher. It's too hard. The pressures are too great. And so we're, we've come to a crossroads. And I talk to many principals who say this is their biggest challenge, finding and keeping teachers, biggest challenge. And so what can be done? I think we can only control what we can control, right? And that is our environment and our district. And we need to make sure our, um, our buildings are places people want to work. And I think that that you know universities are are sending good candidates out into the universe. How can we capture them? Well, big picture, we need to make sure that people want to work in our in our buildings. And smaller picture, we we need to make sure that that our um, students, you know, the demographic of of our students are getting the teachers that they need. So what I do is I actively recruit through university contexts. I contacts. I actively recruit through substitute teachers that come into our buildings and actively recruit means a lot of things here. I make sure that when substitutes come in our buildings, they are welcomed, that they are greeted, that someone invites them to lunch, that they are part, especially long-term sub, they are part of building-wide celebrations. If there's bagels for, for breakfast, for a staff meeting, come on in everybody, have a bagel. It's those little things that let people know my building is a place where people should want to work. And I'm telling you, word spreads quickly. People will know if your district and your school is, is one where they will feel valued and seen and heard. I love that, Jen. And for Principal Matters listeners, um, episode 288, I had a guest on Dr. Glenn Warren, who works um, for the State Department in, in Ohio, and he's done a lot of dropout recovery. And we we, we dove into this topics just a little bit. And then later I was talking about his feedback with another friend of mine who's a superintendent in Texas. 
And he was adding to that conversation as well, Jen. So I want to throw this in too, because we were talking about how do we, how do we also recruit teaching candidates, future teaching candidates among our students and among our own school community members. And one of the things that he talked about with me, the superintendent from Texas was that they consistently identify staff, paraprofessionals within their buildings who show really great teaching qualities, who maybe don't have a bachelor's degree yet, to figure out ways that they can help them earn degrees. Right. And when they have colleges that are sending interns, student teachers, to come into their districts, they budget into their district budget stipends to pay them for the time that they're spending in their buildings as interns. And this is something else they do. They have they provide an area of affordable housing within their community for those student teaching interns as well. And he said, for instance, last year, they had eight interns in their district and seven of them came back as teachers the next year. And I thought, wow, that's a pipeline idea that's so creative. It's also community invested too. So you're right, whether it's substitutes or whether it's your local colleges or whether it's trying to bring them up from uh, within um, we, we've got to we've got to think holistically because it's this this day of just advertising out of position and expecting you're going to get a long list of qualified candidates at least in our areas I don't see that happening very much right. anymore. I think those ideas that you shared are fa- fabulous and I think they can go in any other direction too. My superintendent is a visionary and he said, you know, okay, we've heard for years how crazy it is that a student teacher pays a university to come do free work for a district, right? How can we reconcile this? And so he has reached out to some universities and said, hey, what if we hired your people as paraprofessionals for their air quote field experience? We'll pay them. It shouldn't be free labor. And it's not your money university, it's our money. So why do you care, right? And to try and reconcile that that issue where we ask um, student teachers, pre-service teachers to work for free for a very long time. And then I like the idea of housing. We could also talk with universities about satellite campuses where, you know, you give us a cadre of pre-service teachers and send them, you know, rent space or use some of our space for some of your classes. Have the um, instructor or the professor travel as opposed to the student travel and we'll put them to work. Who cares if it's two hours a day, three hours a day, part-time parapro, um, job share in a, in a library setting or, a, or an instructional coaching setting or whatever, some sort of situation where the students get something out of it and don't come out of this, you know, destitute with, with loans. <laughs> um, another way I'm going to take this too is I think because of negotiated agreements, uh, sometimes just putting more money on the problem doesn't work, not just because of the negotiated agreement, but also because of five-year forecast budgets. But I've heard some districts really have luck with um, loosening their archaic rules on job sharing. If we can get, you know, a lot of districts don't like that, and I get why, but if we can have uh pre- you know, previous teachers who are now staying home raising their children, if we can say, you know what? let's talk about job sharing. We can get some really good people in. Some districts have had success in um, financial support through annuities. So we're not necessarily paying you more, but we're going to contribute more to an annuity that will be really beneficial to you later in your life. Technology, that's another thing. If you have um, a willingness and bravery to provide um, technology devices or support to teachers, they love that, especially um, our younger generation of teachers. 
I saw a wonderful post on social media not too long ago, and somebody asked, what do you get from your district? And far too many teachers responded, nothing. But some wrote back and said, I get free lunch. I know this is silly, but it matters to me. I get a free lunch from the cafeteria. The district probably spends $2.14 feeding that teacher every day. But guess what? That teacher doesn't have to pack, doesn't have to think about it, and stays in the building for a meal. Um, so little things like that that a district can do for very little financial cost might have a teacher walking around saying, I like where I work, and I get a free lunch. <laughs> well, and I want to speak to those principals right now that are that are like I was when I was in the principalship thinking, well, man, I wish my district was more innovative like that, or I wish my district would commit to something like that. And I just want to challenge you to think about what you can do right. to be more innovative in that as well. I'll tell you a quick story, Jen. I'm not, and I'm not sharing this because this is the way things should be done. This is just a story. But I remember recognizing in um, one of the roles that I had in my principalship that our that we, we rotated teachers in for lunch duties Right. But if I could have consistent staff there, things were always more stable, yes. you know, instead of just rotating. <laughs> so I identified a handful of, of teachers whose plan periods were around lunch. And I just asked them if I placed you there throughout the school year um, and could provide you lunch, would that yeah. be an incentive for you? And they were like, yeah. Yeah. And so I actually, because we didn't have it within our district budget, I went to some of our community stakeholders and said, I have some teachers that are willing to do some extra work. And I don't know if you would want to donate to our activity account to help us cover the cost on this, but we're going to be providing them lunch. And they said, sure. And exactly. so I was able to provide an opportunity for these teachers to be a more stable presence in there. And they were willing to do it for that. And again, I was in a place where that didn't have to be negotiated. Uh, I was in a district that allowed me that freedom and not everybody's in those places. But the point is this, that sometimes you may have an opportunity to be innovative in the space that you're in if you just think outside the box in terms of how you can support teachers. What a wonderful example that is. First of all, because you said we often sit there and say, gosh, I wish somebody would do something. Well, what if it's me? What if it's me that can do something? And then I think when you come up with those innovative solutions, two things. One is there's power in numbers. If if you can reach out to a couple of other principal friends and say, you know what, let's go to district leadership together and let's show that we have thought this out and that we really think there's going to be a return on this investment. And then third, there's great power, my friends, when you say this, let's do it as a pilot. Let's just try it. Give me six months. And if I can come back with data and show how much it costs and what I got out of it, most people say absolutely to a pilot. They don't necessarily say absolutely if it's a long-term commitment. So pilot something and see if it will work. Um, uh, kind of aligned with free lunch, but I've heard a lot of principals have a lot of, um, get a lot of ground out of flex time. And that's kind of something we never do in education, right? We have a report time and you have to stay for seven hours and 35 minutes. That's the way it's going to be. But how much would we get out of teachers if we say, listen, I need you to be my bus duty person and stay for the late bus. But you know what you can do in return is on these days or um, on days we don't have a meeting, say, or on um, 
certain times you can come in a little bit late and that can that can look a lot of different ways that can look like a plan period that is just um, jutting up against the end of the day or something but if we can be creative and get out of that box of mandated start and end times we might really get people to say i want to work there or while my child's a preschooler i just need to be 15 minutes late every day can i please not get in trouble for that that will keep more teachers in the profession and make this a job that has those external motivators in addition to the internal ones. That's right. And so I'm just going to speak directly to Principal Matters listeners too, because if you're like me, you're thinking, man, I wish I worked in a place like that. And I just want to say to you, how can you make it a place right. like that? Right. And I'm not saying that because you can change everything or because everything's within your control. I know that district policies, state policies, federal policies, parent expectations, all these dynamics are always constant constraints on possibilities. But I also know that if you're there in the middle of it, you have more of a chance to influence than anybody else. And so think within the sphere of which you live, what are those possibilities? And so Jen, it's the same thing. I can think of an example when we re- we didn't have a budget for a, a an instructional coach in our building once, but we had a lead teacher who had all those gifts and qualities. And I was able to work the master's schedule to provide her an extra planning hour each day if she could use that for instructional coaching. And she did. And it was a phenomenal return on that time because she was able to add a whole nother layer of instructional support to our teachers than, than anyone else within the building. Absolutely. So, 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 so teacher pipelines are not just looking for qualified people. They're also taking care of the people who you have. And so right. I want to stay here for a minute too, because retention I was in a conversation with a 20-year principal veteran a few weeks ago, and he said to me, Will, I've been in this business for a long time, and, and this isn't because I'm better than anyone else, but last year I had no turnover in my building. He said, and he goes, and here's been my commitment. My commitment has been, how can I take such good care of my teachers? Yes. They want to stay here to take such good care of these kids. And I was like, it was like light bulb moment, because I thought that has to be the heart of a long-term investment in building school community. I think that's a, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. If what a compliment it is to the principal, if you have zero turnover at the end of the year, everybody wants to come back. And I know some of our colleagues in charter schools or um, private schools, that's just not a reality. Many times that turnover is just because of the contract that's available or, or others resources. So I don't want to imply this is an easy an easy goal. But I do think it's worth talking about that, that what we want is to get good teachers and have them stay. And um, however we need to do that, I think for every principal, if we lined them all up, we'd get different answers to how that would look. But the end goal really is the same, get good teachers and have them stay. Um, I want to say one more thing. It, it kind of takes us back, but then we'll launch forward again. You mentioned reaching out to have someone help pay for the lunches. I think community partnerships are huge. That's something that we don't necessarily use enough of. So we can ask for financial support, but we could also ask for incentives. I had a um, principal friend in another state say to me that he he um, 
partnered with a local gym that had free pool passes in the summer, something like that. I don't know the, the details of it, but it was just a little thing he could say, you know, hey, your kids will go to the pool for free this summer. And it was those partnerships. I, I don't want to give too many specific examples because I think, again, it's unique to every community and every principal, but there are people out there that are dying to support teachers. They they see the plight that teachers are dealing with right now and the pressure and, and they will help. You just sometimes have to ask. So um, that's worth worth noting yeah. as well. It is, and and I want to I want to get into some of the of the nitty gritties of probably some of the harder parts of recruiting, retaining, and and providing high quality teachers is those hard to find spots. Right. You know, it's a secondary level that's going to often be your your advanced science and math um, at any level. Special education. Special education. Mm-hmm. Are becoming harder and harder to find really really strong folks within those categories. And so I'm just curious um, in your, in your work and, and with those who I work with too, what are some of the ways that principals are engaging other ways to connect strong teachers with, with their kids for those hard to find spots? Right. I think this is, this is a real quandary. Special education is the one that affects me the most. And I do actually feel, I feel good about many universities have started to add a special education endorsement to many of their teaching licenses. And so um, as we need more and more intervention specialists, I think the market has adjusted and many folks do have that license. Um, But what a, a colleague of mine and I had a conversation the other day, what is it that makes the work hard? That's the question that we need to ask. And so in the special education world, often it is that extra time it takes to write those high quality IEPs. And it also depends on the candidate. So um, we have some teachers that tell us it, it takes 10 hours to write a good solid IEP. We have others who say, I do it in an hour, I don't get this. So how can we make everyone Um, how can we balance the workload, I guess is what I'm saying. And maybe that's more training. Maybe that's some release time to keep up with the management tasks uh, related to a job. And maybe that is some coaching, some good solid coaching on what's important and what can be left behind when we manage our work. And and that, that same concept can be applied, say, to an IB or an AP chemistry teacher or a Chinese language teacher, those really niche, you know, markets. How can we make those um, jobs attractive? And then to your earlier point, Will, how can we recruit for them? Are there, um, are there, actually high school students right now who, who we could put into a teacher academy or um, who have some sort of a um, legacy of teachers in their family who we could say, hey, have you ever thought about this? And then not just high schoolers, but university students, community members, those types of people who would do really, really well in these roles and tapping them on the shoulder and saying, hey, think about this. Now that's long-term, that doesn't necessarily help right now. I think the help for right now can come through those partnerships with universities and, and other districts as well. You know, if there's a situation where we could job share or we could spread the talent with a, with a local district and provide incentives for those teachers, that would, that's one possible solution. Well, another possible solution, I was talking to a colleague this week about special education, and there are, I don't know about in Ohio, but in, in Oklahoma, um, we've especially felt the pinch of, of having fewer and fewer people qualified for that. And the, the, the role of writing IEPs becomes more cumbersome every single year. And so right. one of the suggestions that she's been hearing district leaders talking about is is being willing to hire someone to just write IEPs right. so that so that they're not responsible for instruction. Now, 
the difficulty there is that they're not building relationships while they're writing those. But the idea of, of having someone whose responsibility is to write and manage those documents and support with those teachers, because sometimes special education teachers are doing two full-time jobs. They're right. doing instruction and then they're staying up all night writing IEPs or, or doing the documentation. Right. So I thought that's a really creative idea of giving someone permission to work on that, to focus on that paperwork so that someone else can focus on instruction. Right. Well, and let's take that a little bit of a different direction too. Um, my dirty, dark secret is I love operations and efficiency conversations. If, if you know, you're still, um, if ISs are still required to say, write their IEP on a Word document and then copy and paste it into little boxes into a archaic database, maybe there's a little bit of a financial investment that could be put into a um, well-vetted um, student information system to make one-stop shopping where the intervention specialist, the special education secretary, the school psychologist, they're all working on the document at the same time. That means that those related services, your OT, your PT, your speech, if everyone can be working at the same time, then compilation of data and um, input doesn't take nearly so long. Um, sometimes I, I think COVID kind of showed us we don't necessarily all need to be in the same room for an IEP for five straight hours with a parent. We can do it virtually, we can do it more quickly, and we can electronically sign. Those kind of things, I know for me, even five years ago, they were concepts I couldn't even wrap my mind around. Now I can sign an IEP remotely after a very efficient meeting. And what that means then, of course, is time freed up for the inter intervention specialist to do things they were hired to do. Oh man, Jen, those are such great, great recommendations. So if I was a Principal Matters listeners right now, I would be pausing and getting out my <laughs> notebook and playing that because I want to like sit down and think about my systems and my efficiencies and how and, and ways that we can create the, the best supports possible so that people can do their work. And, and I'm going to speak to this too in terms of a retention strategy. I know this may sound odd, but I'm just going to say it. The, the role is as a principal, one of the most important roles that you play is creating an organizational system where you can anticipate as much in advance with your calendars and your planning so that you have a school-wide environment of, of expectations, right. rewards and consequences, so that your teachers feel this sense of stability on a day-to-day -day basis, not a sense of chaos. Right. Because people do not want to work in chaos. No. And so one of the roles as a principal, for those of you that are wrapping up your spring and you're looking at summer and you're thinking about next year, and I know I sound like a granddad, but I just have to say it because I, <laughs> because I talk to principals every week whose teachers are coming to them with the same concerns. And sometimes their concerns are, are exaggerated and right. sometimes they're warranted. But the thing you can control is expectations and calendars right. and policies and procedures. So map those things out a year in advance right. so that that stuff is already taken care of so that you're not constantly having to throw things at them that are coming up right. that should have already been on the calendar in advance. Make sure your websites are updated. Yeah. Make sure that the communications that you have are consistent because you can control those things. Right. And I'm going to take it one step further before we sign off. Will I have spent a lot of time in my professional life talking about what I can control and really remembering that if you imagine a Venn diagram where one side of it is what you can control. And then there's also another circle of what matters. And you got to find that area where what you control and what matters 
really cross over because a lot of times there are things that we can control and we spend a lot of time trying to control and they don't even matter at the end of the day. They don't just matter. Those are the things that we can eliminate and just find that shaded area, what you can control and what really does have an impact. That really makes things a lot more manageable because you're only working on those things. It does. Well, Jen Schwanke, thank you so much for that feedback. And Principal Matters listeners, I just want to encourage you as you're stepping into spring, as you're thinking about hiring, as you're thinking about retaining teachers, looking for all those hard spots, none of this is easy. And, and the work of a school leader has never been easy. That's why it takes courage. That takes why it takes action. That's why it takes teamwork. Um, but you're not alone. And so I right. just want to encourage you, if you have questions and you want to reach out to Jen or to me, you can always reach me at my email address at will at williamdparker.com. And I will share that with Jen so that together we can answer any follow-up questions that you have. Or if you have suggestions or resources that you would like to point us to, we would love to hear those. And so please don't hesitate to connect with us again at my email address at will at williamdparker.com. Until next time, I just want to encourage you to think about all of those elements of hiring, of retaining, of finding those hard to, those hard to find spots. They're all wrapped within the context of treating other people like you would want to be treated and creating the kinds of environments where you would want to work and and trying to build a school community where you would want your own children to go because at the end of the day, that's what matters. So Jen, thank you so much for your time. Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks everyone. Take care of yourselves. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.